Today is Father's Day 2023, and uh, as a dad myself, I've, I've now been a dad for almost 15 years. Um, Jenny and I, we got married when we were, she had just turned 21, and I was 21, and we got married, and 10 months later, on our 10-month wedding anniversary, uh, our twins, Aiden and Joel, were born. And so I remember, yeah, it's, it's, it was a whirlwind. But I remember Jenny and I on our one-year anniversary, uh, I'm holding a two-month-old and she's holding a two-month-old and we're like, happy anniversary, you know? <laughs> and I became a dad. And in becoming a dad, uh, I learned the power of some dad jokes. They're awesome. And, uh, and actually this morning, uh, we're gonna do a little bit of a challenge that maybe you've seen it. It's a try not to laugh challenge using some, some good dad jokes. And so uh, I want to uh, get some volunteers or voluntolds that would come up here and battle. We need some dad battles for some, for some uh, dad jokes. And so I can't think of a better dad, do- dad joke giver than Doug Harrington. So I'm volunteering Doug Harrington. Come on up, Doug. Come on, would you? Ha- Welcome Doug Harrington to the stage. And, uh, and to bring some youth to the stage, um, Jeff Hughes. Come on, Jeff. And now, you had less of an applause. Uh, so, Doug, obviously you're, you're much more lo- loved here. So have a seat, guys. And uh, now in front of you is some jokes, and I'm trusting that you'll, you'll kind of know how to deliver a punchline. Okay, and so, so we're going to go back and forth here. Now, the object is that you cannot laugh when you say it or when you hear it, okay? And so uh, let's, let's do a, uh, well, we should let our elders go first, shouldn't we? Yeah, okay. So, uh, so dad jokes, they each have five decent, good, wholesome dad jokes, and you're going to try to deliver it in a manner to make Jeff laugh. And, uh, and maybe if we all laugh, we might make one of them laugh. And so there we go. All right, so first one, Doug, kick us off. What's your first dad joke for us? Uh, singing in the shower, it's fun until you get soap in your mouth. And then it's a soap opera. <laughs> uh, he's got his own mic there. Okay. That wasn't great. <clears throat> Why do fathers take an extra pair of socks when they go golfing? In case they get a hole in one. <laughs> they just kind of smiles here. I don't know if that's giggles or... All right. What did the fisherman say to the musician? Pick a cod, pick a cod. <laughs> I thought the dryer was shrinking my clothes. Turns out it was the refrigerator all along. <laughs> I think that was pretty good. I think, okay, yeah. I, th- I think we got some laughter out of that one. Why can't a nose be 12 inches long? Because then it would be a foot. <laughs> it's getting better. <laughs> Why do seagulls fly over the ocean? 
Because if they flew over the bay, they'd be bagels. <laughs> oh, it's trying hard. Some people say they struggle to fall asleep at night, but I can do it with my eyes closed. <laughs> That's a dad joke right there, for sure. Did you hear the rumor about butter? Well, I'm not going to spread it. Good call. It's a Christian thing to do. What was Mary's favorite song? Mary had a little lamb. <laughs> hey, that's not on the paper. I know that. <laughs> that's a dad right there. He's going rogue. I always get nostalgic when putting my car in reverse. It always takes me back. <laughs> my son asked me if I could tell him what a solar eclipse is I told him no son <laughs> some are getting that right now no son <laughs> is that it you're all out why did the chicken cross the road That was not on the paper either. Come on, let's put our hands together for these two. Thanks, guys. Good job. I spent my summers with my granddad and chopping wood. Every summer, he'd have us come for a couple weeks, and I'm one of four boys. And so we would spend long hours in the summer heat in the mountains of Pennsylvania chopping wood. And the reason for that is because he lived high in the mountains of Pennsylvania and enjoyed deer hunting right off of his back deck in the, in the, in the meadow below. And he had a wood-burning stove in his basement that when he designed the house that he could have stacks of wood right outside his basement uh, door. And all winter long, he would bring in cords and cords of wood to burn in that wood-burning stove. In the wood-burning stove, the heat would, you know, kind of rise and keep his house warm throughout the winter. But to do so, he needed lots and lots of wood. And so while he had the attention of my brothers and I, we would be out in the woods next door to his house chopping wood in the heat then he would treat us with lemonade and a couple hundred thousand, couple hundred rounds of 22 long rifle ammunition. And so if we worked hard, then we got to play hard and drink lemonade. And, and in return, he got to warm his house. And, and I remember those summers being hot, and I remember being covered in sawdust and the smell of chainsaw uh, oil and hands being calloused, even though he told me I should wear gloves. I thought it was manlier than he, and I didn't need them. We would stack wood and drink lemonade. Sawdust in places that really sawdust shouldn't be. And we would chop and chop and cut and just keep stacking cords and cords of wood for him to have in the wintertime. And it became quite a memory for us as boys chopping wood with granddad, it almost became a summer 
tradition. And each summer, we would ask our parents, hey, are we going to granddad's house? Because we know he's going to need some wood for the winter. And so we would chop and stack. And as I was thinking about Father's Day, and as I was thinking about this, we recently, the electric company came and uh, chopped down a tree. And, and my son, Gray, every day would ask me, Dad, can we go chop wood? And now, being a, I would like to think, responsible father, I wouldn't let him chop wood by himself. So we'd be out there, and he'd be chopping away. And he found a great satisfaction in that, I guess, that, just that feeling of, like, when you strike it just right, and it sticks in the log beneath. It, it's actually quite fun and entertaining. We chopped so much wood this summer. And I was just thinking about Father's Day, I was thinking about, as, as a dad, what kind of investment we make into our children. I just thought of this illustration of wood. And that our job as fathers is to stack wood in the hearts of our children. It's a lot of hard work, obviously, to split wood and season it for the winter, or like my granddad did, or to season it for a good campfire. And a lot like being a father or being a parent, it's a lot of work. It's, and uh, I became a father pretty young at li- in life, younger than I thought I would be. And it was more like a ready or not, it's time to be a dad. I didn't make all the right decisions, but over the years, I have the calluses in my hands, and I've got the stories to tell of the blood, sweat, and tears that has been invested in trying to stack wood in the hearts of my children. Because what I believe is, is if we do the hard work, dads, of stacking wood in the hearts of our kids, this would be values, and principles, morals, godly character. If we stack the wood, we do it with anticipation that when God sparks a fire in their heart, there's wood for it to consume. That when God sparks a fire in their heart, it would be a lasting fire. Because after all, there's many times that we, we wonder, is the hard work of parenting working? I'm not seeing results. I, I'm not, maybe you're met with some frustrations. But after all, stacking wood in the hearts of our children, it's, it's in faith. And then we pray that God would send a fire that would spark in their hearts and that it would burn for the rest of their life. You may not think, man, what I'm saying is just going in one ear and out the other, but it's not. You're just stacking wood. And one day, maybe you'll be a youth pastor Maybe it'll be when they go to teen camp, or maybe it'll be in a church service like this, or maybe they'll meet a friend or a significant other someday, and something in that moment will spark a fire, and they will burn for God. And you'll think to yourself, why now? (laughs) 
I've been saying that for years, but that youth pastor says it and all of a sudden you're on fire? It's because you stacked the wood, Dad. God sparked the fire. So don't quit. Calluses in your hands. Maybe you have a son or daughter that isn't serving God. Keep stacking wood in the hearts of your children. Give your life. Give your lives, dads, as a spiritual inheritance so that the next generation can be bigger, better, and stronger. That's ultimately my goal as a dad, not to, not to make my life great, but to give my life so that their lives will be bigger, better, and stronger. I want my ceiling to be their floor. And as a church, this is the heart of our church, that for the next generation in our church, they will be bigger, better, and stronger. But someone's going to have to do that hard work of splitting and stacking wood in the hearts of our young people, in the hearts of our kids, and then just pray, God, send the fire, and may it burn in their hearts. So your goal for your sons and daughters is for them to do greater things than you. I have found myself at times being frustrated with some of my boys. I have three boys. And, in, and I've, even had to, I've even expressed in that frustration, listen, the reason why I'm so upset is because I know that you have what it takes and I know you're going to be better than me. Like, I see the skills, I see God's gifts in you. Don't waste it. Bigger, better, stronger. Your heart, Dad, is to empower your children to, so that they can reach their full potential with God's help. And ultimately, as a dad, if, if I, it, I don't win unless they win. I could build or you could build your career we can build a church i can build a ministry but if i lose my kids i will feel like it was for nothing you can build your career and you can you can build up your retirement you can build up your investments but if you lose your kids you'll realize it was for nothing and time is a little bit different than money. They're both resources. You can always make more money. You can never make more time. And I spent 10 years in, the youth, in youth ministry. Over and over, I'd hear stories from parents that would say this, I wish I could go back and do it differently. And I think we would all probably say the same. Because none of us are perfect parents. None of us are perfect fathers. But something I always try to remember, in every stage of our lives as a family, when the kids were really little, and now with teenagers in the house, I remind myself that one day I'm going to talk about the good old days. And when I do, I'll be talking about these days right now. Being purposeful with the resources we have. I don't win unless they win. Proverbs 22.6 is a powerful verse for us today, fathers. This is what it says. It says, start your children off in the way they should go. And when they are old, they will not 
turn from it. So start them off. Stack wood in their hearts. And pray that God would ignite it. And there's something there for it to burn. So we have to, fathers, parents, we have to teach our children. We have to be purposeful with them. And so I want to give you a few things today. I, I, want, to, I, want, to give you, I want to talk about, uh, about what we can teach our kids. I want to talk to you about the ways that we can teach our kids. And then I want to show you some qualities of a godly father. So what do we teach our kids? Well, I, I want to give you eight things. So this is not an exhaustive list, but I think these are eight important things of what we can teach our kids. The first thing is to teach them to love God. To love God. To, to uh, uh, teach them about God's love and how to love God in return. Because at the end of the day, what should fuel our lives should always come back to love for God. Why do you have the integrity you have? It's because of my love for God. Why are you, I mean, are you faithful the way you are? Because of my love for God. Why do we want our kids to be, to be great workers and and, and, and great students, and to be honoring, because it all comes back to love for God. We need to teach our kids the importance of prayer. This is the importance that, that they can have, a personal relationship with God. Because as a kid, you know, you kind of like, you're kind of just following the leading of your parents, and I know for me as a kid, I went to church every Sunday since I was born, because my parents took me. Because they woke me up. Because it wasn't an option. But, but, but there was a point in my life, about my preteen age, where God sparked a fire in my heart, and it was full of kindled and dried wood that was ready to be ignited, ready to be put to flame. And in that preteen era of my life, I began to realize I could have a personal relationship with God. And I had a dad that taught me to pray. He taught me the power of prayer. When I was a kid, baseball was everything. I played baseball all year long, went to baseball camps, loved playing baseball. And one evening after school, the weather did not look good, and uh, I, I had a baseball game that night. And I remember I said to my dad, I said, I said Dad, I was so disappointed. I'm like, it's going to rain. It's going to rain out the baseball game. And my dad said, well, why don't you pray about it? He said, Jesus calmed the storm. He says, why don't you pray about it? My dad loves telling the story, and I went outside, and I looked up at the dark clouds, and I said in my nine-year-old voice, in Jesus' name, it will not rain, and I will play baseball. And my dad, when he tells the story, he says, he, he went and he started watching the Weather Channel as this storm front was rolling in. And then the storm front split and went around Grove City, Pennsylvania. And we played baseball that night. And my dad would tell me, he says, he says, it's because you prayed. And God answers your prayers. It's because you prayed. My wife has this gift. Uh, 
for one of our anniversaries, my wife and I took a trip, and uh, we were walk, walking an ocean shore, and she really, really, really wanted to find like a whole, like a whole shell, like, uh, like the big swirly looking ones. We were finding pieces and parts, and she's like, oh, I just really, really, really want to find a shell to help me remember this moment with my amazing, awesome, strong, handsome husband, <laughs> and uh, at least that's what I heard her say, I don't know. And then, and then she's, she kept finding pieces, like, oh, that's the, this is the swirly part. This is the, and uh, she said, I'm, I'm, I'm going to pray. I'm like, okay. So I'm, I'm going to pray that God would help me find one of these. So we took a long walk down the beach, and sure enough, she looked over, and, and there, there was one. We only found one. And she said, look, God answered my prayers. And, uh, and recently, while we were away, we, we were at the beach for some time, and, and uh, my, my youngest son, Gray, and I, we found, we found probably, almost probably about 150 shark teeth on the shore. And uh, it was fun. And Jenny's like, how are you finding all of these? I want to find one. And then what'd she say? I'm going to pray that God will help me find one, a big one. And uh, within moments, of course, she finds this, this awesome-looking little shark tooth. And she's like, look. And she told our boys, it's because I prayed. And one of our boys is like, well, I can't find one either. And she said, well, why don't you pray about it? And then he found one. And then she was able to affirm him, look, God answers your prayers. And this teaches us as kids that God will answer your prayer. It might seemingly be insignificant. It's just a baseball game. It's just a, a, a seashell. But then when you encounter real life problems, you say, if God answered my prayer about rain and a baseball game, he certainly will hear my prayer about this. Teach your kids the importance of prayer, that they can have a personal relationship with God. And then, of course, teaching them the, the importance of the scriptures. In our house, when we are discussing the way things happen in our home, Jenny and I are very purposeful to say, listen, these aren't just the rules of the Galloway house. This is the scripture. I'm not just telling you not to do that. I'm not telling you we don't do those things because we don't like it. We're saying we don't do those things because it's called sin. And it's in the scripture. And point them to the scripture and show them that there is life and there is power in the word. And that it's the scriptures we model our life after, not the culture. That the scripture's where we get our morals. The scripture's where we get the values for our family and church. It's, it's because of the scripture. It's power. It's the word of God. And let's stack wood in the hearts of our kids by teaching them how to be honoring. To honor, obviously honor parents. To honor one another as siblings. To honor coaches and teachers and friends. Because it, after all, if we love God, then we will love people too. We will love all people. And we tell them, and the scripture says, love your enemies as yourself. Again, pointing them to the scripture to teach them how to honor others. Let's stack wood in the hearts of our kids and teach them to take personal responsibility this, the earlier children can learn personal responsibility, I think 
the stronger they become in character, the, the better they'll be as a student, the better they'll be in the workforce, that, that they, can, they have personal responsibilities for their actions, that their lives don't depend on parents, because one day they will, they will leave the nest and they will be personally responsible. Teach them personal responsibility, that they have personal responsibility for their actions, and they'll be accountable for their mistakes. Because the reality is, is that um, everybody will be held accountable for their mistakes. And if we can hold children accountable with good consequences at home, they can learn it while the price tag is low. But if we negate doing this, if we neglect this as parents when they're young, the price gets higher over time. And then you have an out-of-control teenager, and you're saying, how do I control it? Well, the price just went up. It's going to be harder. And if they didn't experience this kind of personal responsibility in the family unit, well, one day they, they could lose a career, and the price tag of a decision they made would cost them a career. It could cost them relationships. The price tag goes up all the more. So, so, so teach your kids personal responsibility and personal accountability. Teach them to forgive, because forgiveness is at the heart of the gospel. We forgive because God forgives. And so we've always, we've always had to do the, sometimes the painful work of saying, okay, boys, get together, uh, apologize to one another. Okay, now that you apologize, tell them that you forgive them. I forgive you. I'll take it. You, next, forgive you. Okay, great. The reason we forgive each other is because God freely forgave us, and we're going to forgive each other. So we, at our house, we say we forgive fast, and we forgive frequently. Those are the three Fs. Forgive fast and frequently, because you're going to need to forgive frequently. And the faster you forgive, the better. Teach your kids how to serve. If we because after all, if we're going to follow a servant like Jesus, we need to learn how to serve like Jesus. And so it's stacking wood in the hearts of our kids when we, when we teach them how to serve, that, that you can actually do something that is beyond yourself. It's for others. And, um, and I'm so proud of my, my boys, um, the twins. When, when we planted a church, um, we, we, we were portable, so we had to set up and tear down church in an elementary school every Sunday. So that meant like waking up at like five o'clock in the morning and getting the 26-foot trailer and driving it to the school and unloading all of our equipment. And at the time, I don't remember how, how old my, my twins were at the time, but they didn't miss a morning. They didn't miss, a, they wanted to show up and to set up and to be a part of serving. I'm, I'm, I'm so proud of them. And... Uh, my boys, they still love to serve. They serve in our food pantry as regularly as they can. If it doesn't interrupt with their school day. My youngest son, Gray, he wouldn't miss a food pantry day if he couldn't. He loves it. I'm proud of him. Teach your kids to serve. And I, I can't take credit for much of this stuff. It's just when you just make this the way of your life, you know, I think your kids will follow. And, and teach them integrity, to do what is right. Even when it's hard to do, do what's right. Integrity is doing the right thing even when no one is looking. Integrity. Be a man of integrity. Be a daughter, a son, 
of integrity. So, so the, the, these, are, these are eight kind of, I think, categories that we could, we could put some wood into the hearts of our kids. Love God, the importance of prayer, the scriptures, to honor others, responsibility to forgive, to serve, have integrity. And uh, it's hard work, isn't it? It's hard work. Let's stack it high and pray that God would send the flame. So, so let's talk, I want to give us some ways to teach such values to our kids. And you might, you might have a list of other values that we didn't discuss, but whatever those values are and that they're rooted in Scripture, well, how do we get it in their hearts, right? So we got the values, we're, we're split in wood, but now how do we stack it in their hearts? So ways to teach children values. The greatest way of teaching kids is to lead by example. Here's what I've learned as a dad. And, and some of you have been a parent much longer than me, um, but in my uh, almost 15 years of being a dad, here's what I've learned. Um, my kids will never do what I say. That's what I've learned. My kids will never do what I say, but they will always do what I do. They won't do what you say, but they will do what you do. And so one time I heard, I heard this bit of like, sarcasm come out of the mouth of one of my children and I was like "Uh uh-uh but I realized that sounded just like me (laughs) like where'd you hear that yeah they don't do what I say but they do what I do so if I can back up what I say with what I do well then I can lead by example a, a second way to get these values in the hearts of our kids, to stack wood is to communicate values. In other words, um, talk to your kids. (laughs) Don't be afraid to talk to your kids even about sensitive and difficult subjects. Because if you don't talk to your kids, somebody will. And And they will get a perverted version of those things. Talk to your kids. Um, Jenny and I, we, we share with each other all the time, like, man, like, uh, we, we love when we're riding in the car with our kids, and maybe we'll just have one of the boys with us when we're in the car, and just how conversation just, it just goes into some deeper things. It's just awesome. And so you got to be purposeful about communicating values and having those times with your kids. Now, when my boys... Uh, when they turn 13, I take each of them on a special trip out of town, just them and just me. And uh, so a couple summers ago, the, the twins turned 13, and so I took one of them, and we took the train, and we rode the train all the way to Chicago, the downtown Chicago, and, and we, had, we, we, we rode bikes up and down the lake, and, and we, had, we ate some great pizza, and, and like we had this one-on-one kind of time father-son, and, and the whole purpose of the trip was to just communicate that now you're turning 13, you're turning the corner to being a man. So we talked about being a man of character, being a man of purity, and being a man of God. And so being purposeful of communicating values, and then 
And then, of course, since there's, I have two of everything at that age, uh, you know, I took another trip with another 13-year-old boy, and we went to Cleveland, Ohio, and we went to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and we ate more good food, and we played golf, and we talked about being a man of God, a man of character, a man of purity. Communicate values. Parents, don't be afraid to talk to your kids about things that maybe are uncomfortable for you to talk about because your parents didn't talk to, to you about them. That's been my struggle. My parents didn't talk to me about stuff. I was left on my own to figure things out. Maybe, maybe they weren't used to having this. I, I was just, that's just how it was. Don't be afraid because they are going to get that education somewhere. You want to be the one forming their heart to understand things in truth. Okay, use stories. Use stories to help reinforce behaviors in your kids, to reinforce values. Um, Again, if I can just tell some stories about me, when my boys were little, uh, I would tell them bedtime stories. And I would tell them this whole elaborate story about this person that did this and, and this whole story. And they'd be on the edge of their bed. And at the end, I would say, and do you know who that was? Like, who? Like, that was me. So I'd tell a whole story about myself without telling them it was about me. To reinforce some kind of truth. And that's how I learned that I would never do that again. <laughs> you know? And, and so I'd like tell on myself, but there's a value attached to it. Or, or I'd tell a story, and, and they'd be on the edge of the seat, like, and, then, and at the end I'd say, and do you know who that was? They're like, you. I'm like, nope. Your Uncle Bryce. <laughs> it was him. And guess what we learned through that? You know, and so I would just use funny stories, but they would always be connected to some kind of truth. Tell stories, use stories, use stories of your life. Use your, use your story, use your testimony, and help reinforce these things in our kids. Uh, four, create opportunities for learning. In other words, include your kids in everyday life. Like my granddad, he had to chop wood, so he included us. And in doing so, it taught us things. Taught us hard work. Uh, We have some memorable times of stories he shared, laughter we had. So include them in your everyday life, and you'll be surprised that it will will take longer. It will. It'll take longer. But it has high value. It wasn't easy all those mornings, getting those little dudes up and leaving the house by 5 a.m., to take that trailer to the elementary school and to set up and do church. It wasn't easy. But I, including them created learning for them. And, I, we always, and the story goes that every morning we would leave before we got the trailer, we'd go to the Circle K and get a donut. <laughs> and that was what I did for them but during that time. So create opportunities for learning. Include them in your everyday living. Five, reinforce positive behavior. Tell your son or daughter, hey, I saw that. And I'm so proud of you. I saw that, that you went out of your way to serve your sibling. That's, the, that's what I'm talking about. When we talked about that thing the other day, and I saw you do that with your, with your teammate, I just want you to know I saw it, and I'm proud of you for it. That's the kind of behavior I know you're capable of. And your mother and I, so proud. Reinforce those positive behaviors, because otherwise, kids begin to feel like, you only tell me what I'm doing wrong. And we frustrate them. 
and then we're not in reinforcing value. We're just reinforcing uh, that I love you by your performance. And maybe you had a parent like that. So reinforce positive behavior. But it doesn't mean that you, you, you just get walked over and it's just, it's Sesame Street at your house every day. It, sometimes it means that you provide consequences. Because consequences help drive values deeper that says, I'll never do that again. I'll never do that again. Because here's the thing, we all have experienced consequences. Your kids will experience consequences. I want them to experience consequences when the price is low. Like, like you, <laughs> sorry, my, my dad would, would make us Amish for a week. In other words, like, no electronics. And so he'd be like, you know what? For that attitude, you're Amish for the weekend. That meant no TV, no video games, you couldn't listen to music in your room. If it had electricity, you weren't using it. And uh, at one point, my older brother, he had to learn things a little slower. Um, one time, my dad took his bedroom door. for. He's like, you know what? You don't have a bedroom door. <laughs> I thought that was creative. Um, I want my kids to experience consequences. So, sometimes as a parent, you're like, you want to shield them from consequences because it does hurt you more than it hurts them. It really does. But if we don't allow them to experience that, they don't learn the value of personal responsibility. I want them to have low-cost consequences, which means we're handled in the home. Because if you don't handle it in the home and they get out in the real world, then they'll experience real-world consequences. And then they're like, oh, I shouldn't lie because I just lost my job. I lied. Well, if there was a consequence earlier on in life, then maybe they could have picked up on that. Now, granted, you can do everything right, can't you, parents? In your mind, you can think you did everything right, and you might still have a wayward son or daughter, and, and, and I'm, not, I'm not saying it's because you didn't do these things. Sometimes free will wins, doesn't it? But provide consequences. And here, here's a statement that Jenny and I live by when it comes to consequences. Because some of you, you hear consequences, and you're like, that's it, I'm dropping the hammer. Okay, I don't, I'm not saying drop the hammer. Jenny and I say this, it has to be two things, equal parts. Consequences to our kids is equal parts, empathy and consequence. Equal parts, empathy and consequence. And that sounds like this, oh buddy, I am so sorry that that happened. But your reaction, hmm, that was out of bounds. Now you're gonna have to serve some time. <laughs> How are you saying? You're gonna have to serve some time. And it's probably gonna be tough because that means you're gonna miss out on that thing you're doing with friends tomorrow. Hmm, so sorry. But I really hope that you learned from that choice. Will they still freak out? Maybe. Maybe. But, but if they feel from their parent that there's equal parts empathy and consequence, I think it helps drive the value deeper. Now, if it's all empathy and no consequence, what do you get? You get a kid that will continue making the same mistake without fear of consequence or that never really learns the value. They just know you're going to bail them out. But if it's all consequence and no empathy, what do you get? You get a kid that just feels just beat up. You get a kid that it just feels like all I do, it's always wrong all the time. Equal parts empathy and consequence. That's my advice to you. Um, so provide consequences. And seven, encourage questions. 
Whenever I'm having one of those hard conversations with my kids, I always ask them, what questions do you have? Do you have any questions? Maybe it's when I've had to deliver some consequences. Okay, hey, what happened there? That's out of bounds for our family. We're not doing that. Here, here's what's going to be happening. Here's your consequence. Do you have any questions for me? Encourage questions when you're talking about values. Maybe you're, you got that one-on-one conversation that we like to have in the car. Hey, what, what questions have you had about that subject that I can help you with? And allow them to feel like they can have open discussion with you because you want to be the one in the driver's seat of forming their hearts in these manners. Proverbs 23, 26, this is what it says. It says, my son, give me your heart and let your eyes observe my ways. So be an example, right? Dads, come on, be an example. Be the, be the kind of example that you could say that and mean it. Give me your heart, but let your eyes observe my ways. Just watch me. I know that there's been times I've, I've looked at my boys and said, I said, you, you should have asked yourself, what would have my dad have done? You probably would have got a better result. And I, I don't mean that pridefully, but like, but I'm trying to be an example for you. Deuteronomy 6, I love Deuteronomy 6. It's the, the Hebrews call it the Shema. They would pray it five times a day. And this is a portion of it. It says, these commands that I give you today are to be on your hearts and press them on your children. Talk about them when you sit, down, sit at home and when you, when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Talk to your kids. Communicate values to your kids. Have discussion with your kids. Encourage questions with your kids. And so, uh, so, so lastly, I want to give you really just some qualities that I think make up a, a godly father. And this would apply to any parent. But since it's Father's Day, men, let's, let's look at these things. Here are some qualities of a godly father. One, faithful. You're, you're going to be a faithful man of God. This is that you are faithful to God. You are faithful to your family. You're faithful in your marriage. You're faithful to your calling, you're even faithful to career. Be a faithful example that one day our kids will look at us dads and say, of all the things he was, I know that he was faithful. He was faithful. Number two, loving. That we, are, we love our kids unconditionally. This is why it's important to have love for God because it teaches us what it means to love. And God's love is unconditional. Three, be humble. This is that as dads, we can even recognize our weaknesses. And this can be tough when you have to go to your kids and say, hey, I'm sorry. I goofed. I overreacted this time. You know, be humble. Because you'll teach your kids how to be humble and how to apologize. Four, be patient, which means to be understanding. Be understanding that your kids their frontal lobe will not develop till they're 24 years old. It's just science. So be patient to know that they are learning and it's your job to, to, to keep, keep the guardrails up. Don't let your guard down, keep the guard, and they're gonna bounce a couple times, a few times. But you just gotta stand, you just gotta be faithful and just have, have grace that they're, they're learning the ropes. They don't know what you know. They think they do but they don't know what you know yet, and, and you're there to help them. Be patient. Five, forgiving. Again, forgiveness is something that we all are gonna have to learn 
at one point in time in our lives or not, because if you want to see your son or daughter be married someday, they're going to have to learn how to be forgiving. And we forgive fast and frequently in the Galloway house. Uh, number six, uh, a quality of a godly father is one of responsibility, that we take responsibility seriously for our family. This is our responsibility to provide for our family, our responsibility to love and support our family, a responsibility that denies ourself that, you know, I, I'm not going to be up till one in the morning playing Xbox. I, I gave that up years and years ago because I, I take the responsibility, and I'm not knocking people that play video games. I do other things. Uh, you know, you find me on the golf course, right? But there is a, a first, first responsibility to, to God, to our wife, and to our kids. And may our kids look at our example, dads, and be like, they were responsible. They did hard things when they didn't want to do them. They, they were responsible and that's how they took care of us. That's how they provided for us. That's how they loved us. Seven, being compassionate. Being compassionate that when our kids might hit a rough time, that they know they can run to their father and receive compassion. That we are disciplined. That we're not, we're not loose with our morals, but we are disciplined. Nine, that we are wise. Wisdom and knowledge are not the same. Knowledge is knowing. Wisdom is applying. Knowledge is education Wisdom is application. You can know it, but you have to know how to do it, right? Wisdom is knowing how to take the knowledge you have and apply it in the applicable ways in life and let them see that we have that kind of wisdom in our life. But also, a godly father is a praying father. You know, I, 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 there's a, some disciplines I have in my life where I'm an, I like to wake up early, and whether that is I go to the Y or I go to the golf course or I just come to the office super early, but my early time with the Lord, whether I'm walking fairways or lifting weights or, or, or walking this room right here, uh, the first thing I do is to say, God, bless my family. God, I pray over Jenny that your hand would be upon her, that you'd keep her healthy and keep her strong. God, I pray that, that you would continue to let her be the woman of God that you created her to be. And I thank you that you've brought her into my life. She is so loyal and faithful, and she, she loves her family unconditionally. God, I pray that you would bless her today when she wakes up. But thank you, God, that she makes a decision to do some of the hardest work for our family. And, and I pray over my son, Aiden. I thank you for Aiden. Lord, he is strong. He is mighty. He is a worshiper. Bless him this morning. I pray for Joel. God, he, is, he loves you and he loves people. I pray that he would build a deep network of people in his life. I pray for Gray. Lord, I thank you that the kindness that just comes out of his life and the thoughtfulness and, the, and I see that he's going to be a wise man someday. Bless my family, God. Thank you for my, and help me to be a better father each and every day. These are, and that is how I start my mornings. Be prayerful. So men, let's, let's, let's do better. I'm not saying we're, not, we're doing bad, but, but let's keep growing so our kids can keep growing. But there are some lies out there. There are some lies. I think there's three main lies that the enemy has for godly fathers that will make you feel discouraged. And maybe you're sitting here today and you saw all these lists of things I, I, I gave you, and you're like, well, pfft, that's a lot. And now I feel kind of crummy because I'm not doing all that. The first lie that the enemy wants dads to believe is never make mistakes. Well, I made a mistake. I'm not a good dad. That's a lie that we'll never make mistakes. We're going to make mistakes. You're going to make mistakes. I've made mistakes. We're going to make mistakes. Number two, then, another lie is to not ask for help. 
to never ask for help, just to think that you're just gonna, you're just gonna make it, I'm gonna do it right, I'm not gonna need help, I'm a man, I'm tough, I'm gonna be strong, I'm not gonna ask for, no, you, you, you likely need to ask for help. You likely need some accountability, you likely need some, some encouragement. There might be some, some tools and things that you need to get in your life and you might need to seek counsel, you might need some counseling, don't be too weak to ask for help. The enemy wants you to think that you can't ask for help. And number three, to never pray for your wife and your family. Pray for your family. Make that a personal responsibility thing, dads. And listen, maybe your children are, are grown and out of the house. Pray for your kids. And maybe you don't have kids here today. But as you grow in stature and wisdom, I want you to know something. That there are men in their 20s and 30s, 40s and 50s, and their prayer is this, God, give me a dad. Because not everybody had a godly, biological father example in their life. And we're growing up in a generation where many, many, many young people don't have a biological father in the home. But the cry of their heart will be, I need a dad. And can I tell you, that's my prayer too. All throughout the ministry, I've always said, God, give me a dad. And he's provided one. He's provided a godly man in my life that I can go and seek wisdom from, someone that, that I can build that relationship with and they can offer me feedback and criticism. And that person could be you for someone. There might be someone in this church or that deep down they're saying, I need a dad, and it could be you. They're looking for someone that will basically tell them this, I love you, I believe in you, and I know you have what it takes. So fathers, let that be our message to our sons and daughters. Father figures, let this be our message to those that we mentor. I love you, I believe in you, and I know you have what it takes. We need fathers, don't we? We just bow your heads as we pray this morning. God, I, I know I say this all the time when I pray, but you're the best dad I've ever had. And I pray for every father here today, every father to be one day, every father that, that has grown children, young children, wayward children. Lord, would you stir something in the hearts of fathers today that we would see the great responsibility we have to keep stacking wood in the hearts of our kids. And our kids, our sons and daughters might be in their 30s, but they might be three. We're going to keep stacking wood and pray that your Holy Spirit will spark a flame. Lord, may this church be a, a wood-stacking kind of church, that when we see young people, Lord, we just, we love them, we encourage them, and we stack wood in their hearts and pray for a flame. In Jesus' name, amen.